I'm going to start with a reading from Genesis chapter 18. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and he saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran to them. Uh, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, don't pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread so that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, I'll do as you said. And Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, get 36 pounds of flour, the finest flour, knead it and make bread. Abraham ran to the herd and took a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, Well, there, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. All right, so I didn't ask Anna Jane about this, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, and I wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's getting nervous. I want to extend an invite to anybody here at any time you want to come by our house. Right? Just open door policy. Anytime you want, come over. Uh, any food you want to eat that you find in the fridge, go ahead. We'll make something for you. Uh, we can do your laundry. If you need to stay for a few days, we've got a guest room. Anna Jane's <laughs> saying, right? Well, okay, actually, uh, I would prefer. Uh, if we kind of made plans ahead of time, right, we'll, we'll make an, a Facebook event and make sure you RSVP. Um, text us when we get closer to time so we can confirm and make sure we know who's coming. Uh, make sure to bring something to eat if you're coming over and let us know what it is in case there's any food allergy issues. Um, be on time, right? Tell me when you're coming and be on time and then don't stay too long. And uh, especially don't bring anybody else that, that we didn't clear first, right? Because I don't know who your friends are. Uh, but, you know, right, do all those things and, and you're welcome, right? Okay, hospitality is kind of tricky, right? What does it mean to show hospitality? And, and can we see it as a spiritual practice? You know, we can say that hospitality starts at home. Right? That's, when we think of that word, that's usually what we think of. Right? So invite somebody into your house for a meal or to share time together. And, and so that's what we're talking about this morning, right? Because Gary has just talked about home. And in, in a lot of ways, this idea of, of home is going to inform everything that, that we do this year. And so I think Gary, at the end of his sermon last week, gave me a list of all the things I was supposed to talk about. And I don't remember what all of them were. But... Uh, in a sense, hospitality is one of those ways that, that we share the home that God has given us. It's inviting someone to a place where they'll feel welcome. But there's a lot of other ways that people talk about hospitality these days. Right? Hospitality has kind of become an industry. That's one of the ways that people talk about hotels or other sort of services that are all about pampering and making you feel comfortable uh, and so when you go to a hotel, they're going to make you feel welcome, right? They're going to give you all the extra towels and pillows that you might want. But you're paying them to do that, right? And they're partly doing all that so that you'll come back and, and rent a room from them again. We also think about hospitality as like entertainment, right? I don't really use this language much, but sometimes you would talk about entertaining guests, right? Uh, but if it's entertainment, it, it means you're putting on a show, right? And so... 
if you're going to come over, I've got to make sure the house is perfect and I've got to make sure the food is amazing. Uh, not because I want to do something nice for you, because I don't want you to judge me for having a messy house, right? And so if the house is a mess, which it often is, uh, as, as hard as we try, well, then we, we don't want you to come over right now, right? We can't be hospitable because uh, it doesn't look the best. So, right, hospitality makes us think of things like tea parties and coming over for a meal or having a Super Bowl party. And those are all good, hospitable things to do. I think we're actually doing all of those things in the church in the next week or so. But we don't really think of that as a spiritual practice, right? I mean, is there anything moral about hospitality? See, the only reason we could ask that is, is because we've kind of lost a central practice in the Jewish and Christian tradition. Hospitality is a constant topic through the Old and New Testament, right? It wasn't just an afterthought. It was a necessity. It wasn't just being nice. It was godly. For past believers, hospitality is one of the the clearest ways of showing Christ-like love. And so we have a verse, for example, in Hebrews 13, where, where it says, we're instructed to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I mean, that that definitely sounds like there's something spiritual going on there, right? How do we show love? With hospitality. Christian hospitality is more than just parties with friends. It's, It's welcoming the outsider in. It's giving them a place that feels like home. It's giving someone a place to belong. So we make everyone feel like they're at home at our houses and in, in our church here. Now, one of the things you may be wondering about with this verse, what's this deal about angels, right? Uh, should we be looking around to see who's hiding wings uh, this morning? If you are an angel, please me- check that on your Connect card so we know and give you special treatment so you don't give a bad report to God. Uh, all right, the, what he's talking about, the writer of Hebrews knows his Bible, right? He knows the story of Abraham and his amazing display of hospitality, that story that I read just a little bit ago. And so I want to take a minute and look at that story. Now, the first thing that we see here is that we have some in- insider information. We know something that Abraham doesn't, which is that this is the Lord, right? To him, these are just some strangers that showed up at his place in the middle of the day. When he calls them Lord, it's just a sign of respect, nothing else. He does all these things for them before, even though he doesn't know who they are, and even though he wasn't expecting them. Um, I don't know about you, how do you respond to interruptions? How do you feel about unexpected guests? (laughs) Uh, They're not my favorite, right? And I'd say, well, sure, I'll be hospitable when I have time. I'll be hospitable when it's convenient for me. Um, strangers may appear at strange times. That's kind of part of the deal. And I wish it weren't the case, but I'm guessing that if God is going to show up, God is not going to do it according to my schedule. We have to ask, are we so busy that we aren't even looking for God's presence? All right, Abraham here is busy, but he's busy taking care of his guests. You notice how often he's hurrying and he's running from place to place, which is you know, kind of embarrassing almost to, to run around and, and make a spectacle of all this. If I were going to help, I would probably uh, passive-aggressively let you know that you're being an inconvenience to me, right? Like, okay, 
what do you need? How can I help? Right? Very slowly shutting my computer or whatever it is to show you, here's what I was working on, but I'll take care of you, I guess. No, Abraham, his hospitality, he makes them a priority. And then he goes way overboard right, with his 36 pounds of flour and, and getting a whole calf for them. Uh, now, I'm not much of a baker, but I talked to Anna Jane and I talked to her mom, who both do, and they assured me that you don't need 36 pounds of flour for three people. Uh, my mother-in-law, we even like worked out uh, the math, and with her recipe for bread, you can make 72 loaves of bread with that amount. Uh, so that's, that's a lot, right? And I don't, do you know how much beef you get from one whole calf? Uh, years ago when we lived in, in Cordell, we had a friend who lived in the country and she, uh, she raised uh, a couple of cows on her land um, and we actually split one of them with her uh, when they had it slaughtered. His, his name was Ground Beef. He was delicious. Uh, and we had to buy a deep freeze to keep just half of the, the cow that, that we shared there, right? And again, all this stuff that he's doing takes a lot of time, right? The story makes it seem quick, but baking dozens of loaves and butchering a whole calf, that's a pretty big time investment. So why do so much? Clearly, we're meant to see that hospitality means more than the bare minimum. How often do I just give away my leftovers to someone in serious need and think that, you know, that's hospitality? He didn't just give them a bite for the road and, and call it a day. He stood by them under the tree while they ate. That's the posture of a waiter. Rather than sitting at the head of his own table, he waits on his guests as a servant. And again, Abraham does all this before he knows who who his guests really are. Now, thanks to this story and that verse from Hebrews, we should know. We should be on the lookout. So we are looking for God to show up. It seems like God is also looking for how we respond when he does. The truth is, if we're inhospitable, there's going to be, there could be consequences. Right? The next story in Genesis is the destruction of Sodom. And that chapter is all about their lack of hospitality. Right? It, it balances this story here. Right? That these people are the most inhospitable that you could be. Most references to Sodom in the Old Testament talk about their excessive wealth and their unwillingness to share it. Right? For example, this verse in Ezekiel says, This is the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were proud, had plenty to eat, and enjoyed peace and prosperity. But she didn't help the poor and needy. Sodom wasn't hospitable. If there's a sin our society needs to be worried about, I'd say it's this. Hospitality is serious business. But then we have this other question, who is hospitality really for? There's some cases where it's easy, but the important times are when it's hard. It's not truly Christian hospitality if it's only for people who are like us or for people who can do something for us. Christian hospitality is all about welcoming the stranger. But what do we mean by stranger? A stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Uh, People who are strange are different. 49ers fans, for example. Right. You are welcome here. I just wouldn't make a big deal about the team you support today. <laughs> the word that's usually used in Scripture it usually refers to immigrants or foreigners. Right? Uh, or some people think of this as people who lack connections. 
right? They're vulnerable because they don't have the relationships and the networks that give us security, people to rely on when things go wrong. Um, so it's not about where people are from or what they have. It's, it's who they can rely on. But however you look at it, basically a stranger is just not us. But see, our, our first impulse with hospitality is to give it to people who are like us, who aren't that strange, I, and, and I'm going to use myself as an example here. I'll go ahead and just make the joke about, yes, I probably am still strange in plenty of ways. Ha ha. Uh, but, you know, I think about the, the hospitality that I have experienced from this church already in my time here. It was about a year ago that Anna Jane and I visited for the first time. Uh, it was about, you know, six months ago, the end of, end of May when we moved here. And we have just been overwhelmed by the generosity of this church. Um, I remember that first Sunday when we were here and uh, you blessed us and prayed over us and gave us all the, the gift cards and the baskets and all this. And, and we get home and we're looking at all of it. And I turned to Anna Jane and was like, wow, I got I to gotta do a good job here because they really, they're really showing me a lot of hospitality. And that's great. And, and we are so thankful. But you know, I would hope you would be welcoming and hospitable to a new minister. I guess that may not always happen either. How welcoming are we to people who don't seem to be offering us anything? Are we only welcoming people that are already fairly welcome? Uh, We shouldn't be surprised that Jesus has a different approach to hospitality, right? It's not about what can you do for me, right? I'm going to do this for you so that I can get my foot in the door. Jesus says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, lame, and blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you'll be repaid when the just are resurrected. Don't hear me saying that we can't show hospitality to to one another, to people who are similar similar to us. I'm saying we don't stop there. Hospitality starts at home. That's where we learn it. But it doesn't end there. I I truly believe that hospitality is a gift that the Spirit has given this church. I have seen it. I'm sure you've seen it too. And so I want to encourage us to use it the best that we can. Again, we ask, why do we do this? Hospitality really is motivated by empathy. What would I want someone to do for me if I were at my most vulnerable? If I lost my home in a fire? If I lost my job and couldn't support my family? If I were forced out of my country because of war? If I had made some horrible choices, even broke the law, and was trying to get a fresh start, what would I want you to do for me? And so can I do that for people who are going through that right now? We show hospitality to every person because every person contains the image of God. We don't show hospitality because they are different, but because ultimately they are the same. And, and the truth is, probably most of us are not opposed to hospitality, especially to people that are visiting our church. The problem a lot of time is just awareness. Right? We don't notice them. Uh, for long-time churchgoers, especially if you've been going to this church for decades, there's a lot we just take for granted because we already feel welcome here. Have we asked, why might church feel like an unwelcoming place to some people? And this is what we're going to talk about more in our class time in a little bit. So I want to encourage you to stick around for that. Uh, Added incentive, if you noticed Anna Jane going back and forth, you were here early. Uh, She was inspired by this story to bake some homemade bread for all of you. I don't know how many pounds she ended up using. Uh, You won't... uh, 
10, 10 pounds, right? which should still be enough. You won't get 72 loaves each, but you will get a, a delicious, uh, fresh homemade bread roll if you stick around. All right, but we're going to talk about what specific things can we do as a church to make this place more warm and hospitable. Can we look at what we say and what we do and even how the building itself looks with a stranger's eyes? The world is, is so often an inhospitable place. But what about our church? Can't this be the place that welcomes and cares for every single stranger? Now, saying that probably raises some questions, maybe questions you've been thinking about this whole time. What about the risks? What about the risks of welcoming everyone? Right? Somehow, we have to balance safety and hospitality. Right? Uh, because this is what we teach our kids, right? I'm not going to tell George, right? We want to welcome strangers, so if a stranger invites you into his van for candy, you go ahead, right? No, a <laughs> stranger danger, right? That's a phrase that, that we all know that we learned, and, and there, there's an important reason for that, unfortunately, because of the world that we live in. And yet, do we respond with fear as our first instinct, right? Xenophobia. Uh, and, and sometimes there's a good reason for that. But sometimes the voice of fear is trying to convince us it's the voice of reason. Right? We say, well, we're just being smart. And I'm all for safety and thinking about how we do that here and in our homes. And we want to make smart decisions about that. But when does smart really mean unchristian? If those three heavenly strangers from Abraham's story showed up at our place, will we welcome them or will we call the police? And safety is not the only issue we struggle with, right? There's also the problem of limited resources. As we've seen, Westlink is, is generous, but we're not the biggest church in the world, and, and we don't have unlimited funds. Uh, so we can't help everyone, even if we want to. Um, and so, right, we've been thinking about our budget this morning, and yes, we could just scrap everything we just talked about, and that's making Rick and Chuck nervous, and give all of it 100% to the poor right now, but what would happen? What would happen to the life-changing ministry of this church? Well, the church wouldn't really be here anymore, and we couldn't afford, uh, you know, wouldn't have any ministers. Uh, our hope is that we're using this money to provide a place, a hospitable place, where ministry and growth and life change happens that we inspire you to go out and change the world because of what happens here. But it does lead to a question, right? And in fact, I have a quote here from John Calvin. He said, Let us beware that we seek not cover for our stinginess under the shadow of prudence. What he's saying is, uh, when is being smart with money just code for greed? Right? And again, I'm not accusing us of anything. This is just, these are the kind of questions we have to always be thinking about because there are challenges to, to showing hospitality. But most churches, most organizations that commit themselves to this practice, they've seen a need for, for boundaries and guidelines. Right? If you ever ho helped at the, the Lord's Diner, right, you know they have a lot of rules for how they help. Right? You have to wait in line. There's a certain time when they start. There's a certain time when they end. You can't just come in and hang out. You have to be there for the purpose of, of having this meal. And they're not doing that to be rude, right? They're doing that so that they can help as many people as possible. Uh, and so they can continue to be hospitable, right? So as we think about any boundaries, the question is not, uh, it, the question is why we have them. Not to keep certain types of people out, but to make sure we can continue being a blessing for as long as possible to as many people as possible. And this takes a lot of wisdom to balance safety and generosity and hospitality. And I don't 
certainly have all the answers. But if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, which mistakes are we more worried about making? If we believe in the resurrection, what are we really afraid of? The follower of Jesus does not make decisions based solely on fear. The only thing we should be afraid of is missing a chance to minister to Christ himself. We welcome strangers because hospitality to them is hospitality to Christ. Now there's kind of a weird thing in this story. I don't know if you noticed it. That It says the Lord appeared as three men, right? Um, and it goes back and forth, right? The language is singular or plural. It's him or them. And so people have picked up on this over the centuries and kind of seen back this idea of, of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and in fact, there's uh, an ancient icon of this. It's, it's in the background there. I have it in my office. It's called the Trinity. And so thinking about that takes me to something that Jesus said about where he shows up and the kind of loving action that he's looking for. So in a parable in Matthew 25, he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Every stranger you meet or who walks through those doors is not just someone that we can show Christ to. It's someone that we can see Christ in. Now, I've experienced this. And in my last ministry, I was able to spend uh, a couple hours every week at the county jail. And, you know, it's, that idea seems a little scary at first, uh, going out there and seeing all these convicts. But as I went there, you know, and my, my expectation is, well, I'm going to bring Jesus to them. I'm going to share all this stuff with them, and I'm going to, with all my knowledge and wisdom, I'm going to enrich their lives. And, and hopefully I did give them some things that helped. But a lot of times what really happened is that I saw a Christ-like spirit in them. I saw hope. I saw humility. I saw repentance that I didn't see hardly anywhere else. Jesus says the people we treat with the most suspicion are most likely to reflect him. I think it's because he's been there. When Jesus was a child, he was a refugee. When he was an adult, he was homeless. When he died, he was a convicted criminal. How welcoming are we to refugees, the homeless, the convicts? Are those not the people we treat with the most fear? A lot of voices tell us we should. Are we going to listen to them or are we going to listen to our Lord who says that we should look for him in the least of these? We welcome anyone to this church, to this table, because it's not our home. It's not our table. This home is the home that God has given us. How can we keep anybody from the table of our Lord? Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what unexpected blessing can come from hospitality? For Abraham and Sarah... It was a promise of a long-awaited son. And for us, I don't know, unexpected friendships, new partners in ministry, surprising blessings that we can't even imagine. I don't know what might happen, but ultimately, it's really not even about that. That's not why we do it. We don't do it to get something out of it. We show hospitality to answer two questions. Did they see Christ in us? And did we see Christ in them? Here's God's final question in Abraham's story. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Is it too hard for God to welcome everyone? Is it too hard for Christ to humble Himself and come in the form of a stranger? Is it too hard for the Spirit to form connections between the most unlikely people? It's not too hard for the Lord. What about us? If God is going to say, you're welcome here, to those who feel like they don't belong, to those who feel unwelcome, God's probably going to do it through you. So, can you do it? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the home that you have given us. This, this life that we have on this earth, uh, the homes that we come from, the church family, the home that we have here at Westlink. I pray that we never lose sight of this being a gift from you and that when we know that it's a gift from you, we're willing to, to pass it on, to spread it to those around us. Lord, there are so many people in this world, maybe in this church, who feel like they don't belong anywhere, who feel unwelcome. And so, God, I pray that we show the gift of hospitality to them. And I pray that those here who, who feel that, who don't feel welcome, that we can reach out and give them uh, your love and your presence. We pray that we would see Jesus around us. God, we know that he is here. We know that every day there's a chance to see him. And God, I confess that I know I often fall short. But I pray that we just continue to keep looking. That we look for you. That we offer the grace and help and hope that you have given to us, to those who need it most. This is our prayer. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, I hope you feel like you belong. And, you know, it's not as simple as us and them, right? The longtime members who feel perfectly welcome everywhere and the visitors who don't. A lot of us are probably somewhere in the middle somehow. We can all feel like we don't belong sometimes. But whatever, wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, you are welcome here. You are loved. If we've fallen short, we're sorry. And if there's any way that we can make Westlink more like home, now's your chance to let us know. So we're going to sing this song in just, just a second, where we talk about the love that we have for one another. And it's not just our love, it's God's love, because we see the love of the Lord in other people. So let's stand and sing this together. If you have any need, come up here or come to the back and find a shepherd. Let us know how we can help.